Life is not primarily a quest for pleasure, as Freud believed, or a quest for power, as Alfred Adler taught, but a quest for meaning. The greatest task for any person is to find meaning in his or her life. Those are the powerful words of Viktor Frankl in his life-changing book entitled Man's Search for Meaning. And it is the subject of our podcast here today. Well, welcome everybody to the very first episode of the Hacka Podcast. My name is Greg Hackathorn. For those of you who may not know me, I am a Christian millennial who was born in the U.S. and I now live in Sydney, Australia. I've been living here for about 12 and a half years. And I've been blessed for the past decade or so to serve as the administrator at the Pentecostals of Sydney. I'm married to Steph. I have two beautiful daughters, Ava and Reagan. I love podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts for years now. I listen to them when I run, when I'm working. I listen to podcasts on everything from leadership to running to politics preaching podcasts. I love them, and they've had a wonderful impact on my life. And it is my prayer that this podcast, over the episodes that we'll be running it, that it will have an impact on someone's life out there. This is going to be a podcast that centers around how best we can serve God in this changing world. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about church and personal growth some books that I love that have had an impact on my life and I think can bless you, and much more. So I encourage you to join me on this journey as we go through these subjects together. Today we are going to discuss the subject of meaning, and we're going to do it by looking at it through The Lens of Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl There are some questions that have plagued the human conscience for millennia. Questions like, Why am I here? What is my purpose? Is there life after death? Is this really all there is? Many in modern society claim to have closed the book on such questions. So sure of themselves that all the I's have been dotted and the T's have been crossed, that they have declared that there is no longer a need for religion. I saw a quote the other day from Stephen Hawking, and most of you would know who he is. He's a famous theoretical physicist and cosmologist. Uh, They actually even made a movie about his life recently. And he had this to say about the subject. He said, I believe the simplest explanation is, there is no God. No one created the universe and no one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization that there probably is no heaven and no afterlife either. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe, and for that, I am extremely grateful. We are taught in society that this man's belief is basically reality, that there is no God, and we should probably stop worrying about it. In fact, There was an ad campaign that ran in the United Kingdom, and it was sponsored by uh, this group that called themselves the New Atheists. They're not so new anymore. It's been probably about a decade or so since they ran this ad. But the ad said, there probably is no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy life. 
But if that's true, then why do these questions persist in our conscience, despite the claims of religion's demise? I like this from C.S. Lewis. He offered a counterpoint to the claim of naturalists, those who believe that nature is all that exists. When he wrote this in his book, he said, If the whole universe had no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as, if there were no light in the universe, and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know that it was dark. Dark would be without meaning. You see, Lewis's point here is that if there is no reason for the existence of the universe, then there's a knock-on effect. It doesn't stop just at the place of meaning for the universe, but it trickles all the way down to us. It trickles down to you and to, uh, and to me. If there's no reason or no meaning for the universe, then there is ultimately no meaning for your life. There is no ultimate meaning or purpose whatsoever. And I think that atheists actually know that people can't live that way. We, we can't live thinking that there is no meaning and there's no purpose to our life. So then they decide that we can invent our own meaning. But an invented meaning is still no meaning at all. Just consider the final sentence of Hawking's quote. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe, and for that I am extremely grateful. I mean, that sounds really nice. That sounds great. But what does that even mean in a universe that is a cosmic accident, one that's not created, one that has no tangible purpose? In a world that is only based on the survival of our species, where our emotions are just the result of chemicals firing in our brain and nothing more, what does that quote even mean? What does it mean to appreciate the grand design of the universe if there is no meaning to the grand design of the universe? Surely there has to be something more. And that will lead us to this book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Frankl was an Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, philosopher, author, and most famously survivor of the Holocaust. He, along with his sister who escaped to Australia, were the only survivors of his family. His father died of exhaustion in the Theresien Ghetto. You have to excuse some of my pronunciations here. That was north of Prague in 1942. His mother was immediately murdered in the gas chambers of Auschwitz the following year when Victor, his wife Tilly, his brother, and his mother were sent there. He was ultimately separated from his wife and he would later find out, after his liberation by U.S. troops from Dachau, that she and his brother were also murdered at Auschwitz. In the concentration camps, a human being was reduced to a number. Victor's Fr Victor Frankl's number was 119104, and it was branded in his skin. The first half of Man's Search for Meaning uh, deals with his experiences in the camps. He goes into detail about what he went through, and I will leave it with you to get the book and read it for yourself. It's a uh, short read. Uh, it's a cheap book. You can get it pretty much anywhere. It is harrowing stuff. I did want to share this brief story, though, that relates uh, that he relates in the book because it gives you a bit 
of an idea of what he encountered in those death camps. Listen to what he said. He said, I shall never forget how I was roused one night by the groans of a fellow prisoner who threw himself about in his sleep, obviously having a horrible nightmare. Since I had always been especially sorry for people who suffered from fearful dreams or deliria, I wanted to wake the poor man. But suddenly I drew back the hand which was ready to shake him, frightened at the thing that I was about to do. At that moment I became intensely conscious of the fact that no dream, no matter how horrible, could be as bad as the reality of the camp which surrounded us, and to which I was about to recall him. Think about that. That's how horrible life was in those camps. That's how horrendous it was that he drew back from waking someone up from their nightmare because he truly believed that the reality that they were living was worse than the nightmare that the man was suffering. And so he allowed him to go through the nightmare and continue to suffer in his dream because that reality was better than what he was currently going through. It was there in those camps that he continued to develop the ideas that he would later coin logotherapy, which is a school of psychotherapy that describes a search for a life meaning as a central human motivational force. While Frankel witnessed the savage brutality and degradation around him, he theorized that it was the inmates who had some meaning in their lives that were more likely to survive the horrors of the Nazi regime. It seems to be a perverse irony that he accredited hope in seeing his wife once again as one of the reasons that he survived. You can see that reasoning in this powerful quote from his book. A man who becomes conscious of the responsibility he bears toward a human being who affectionately waits for him, or to an unfinished work, will never be able to throw away his life. He knows the why for his existence and will be able to bear almost any how. Frankel's why was very apparent. It was his love for his wife and it was his devotion to his work. Think about that statement for a moment in the man who made it. If a man knows the why for his existence, he will be able to bear almost any how. That is incredibly profound. If you know why you are here, then you can survive any how. If you know why you exist, if you have a purpose in your life, then you can survive any situation or circumstance that life throws your way. We have to determine our why. Why are we here? Why do we exist? And with that in mind, it's not at all surprising that we are seeing a lack of perseverance among those in the West when they face crisis. We've seen it over this past year or so when people are just making incredible decisions. I'm not saying they're wrong or right, but just decisions that seem to be based solely on fear. And it seems to be because they have had their meaning stripped away from them. Their meaning's been stripped away from them through education, and they're taught that there is no ultimate meaning to this life. It's up to you to create that meaning for yourself. That is basically what naturalism teaches, that because there's no ultimate meaning to the universe, 
there's no ultimate meaning for your life or a purpose for your life. So then you must create it for yourself. But Frankl rejected this claim of naturalism. He rejected the fact that you could create your own meaning in life when he argued that procreation is not the only meaning of life. For then life itself would become meaningless, and something meaningless cannot be rendered meaningful merely by its perpetuation. Did you catch that? If the purpose of life is solely the continuation of life, then life itself no longer has true meaning. If the purpose of life is only about survival, then there's no ultimate meaning in life. There's no true meaning behind living. To Frankel, meaning was not something that you created, but it was something that you pursued. He wrote, As each situation in life represents a challenge to man and presents a problem for him to solve, the question of the meaning of life may actually be reversed. Ultimately, man should not ask what the meaning of his life is, but rather must recognize that it is he who is asked. He would further expound on what he meant by answering the question of meaning in our lives. Frankel continued, I did not, It did not really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. We needed to stop asking about the meaning of life and instead to think of ourselves as those who were being questioned by life daily and hourly. Our answer must consist not in talk and meditation, but in right action and in right contact, conduct. Life ultimately means taking the responsibility to find the right answer to its problems and to fulfill the tasks which it constantly sets for each individual. If anyone had the ability to reject meaning in life, you would think it would be someone who actually experienced life being treated as meaningless. For three years in four separate camps, he experienced life being treated as meaningless. That these individuals were just numbers. That they had no meaning. But that is not the conclusion that Frankel was led to. Listen to this. Is there no spiritual freedom in regard to behavior and reaction to any given surroundings? Is that theory true which would have us believe that man is no more than a product of many conditional and environmental factors, be they of a biological, physiological, or sociological nature? Is man but an accidental product of these? He's saying, is that all man is? Are we just a collection or a byproduct of our environment? Are we just a byproduct of our biology, our psycho psychology, our sociology? Is that all we really are? That's the question that he's posing there. And he responds, he says, The experiences of camp life show that man does have a choice of action. Man can preserve a vestige of spiritual freedom, of independence of mind. Even in such terrible conditions of psychic and physical stress. Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose 
one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. Dostoevsky said once, and I'm continuing to quote Frankel here, there is only one thing that I dread, not to be worthy of my sufferings. These words frequently came to my mind after I became acquainted with those martyrs whose behavior in camp, whose suffering and death bore witness to the fact that the last inner freedom cannot be lost. The way in which a man accepts his fate and all the suffering it entails, the way in which he takes up his cross, gives him ample opportunity, even under the most difficult circumstances, to add a deeper meaning to his life. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Frankel's attitude and outlook. I want to read that last little bit once again. Dostoevsky said once, There is only one thing that I dread, not to be worthy of my sufferings. And Frankel says these words frequently came to his mind after he saw what took place in the camps. When he saw the martyrs, when he saw those who were suffering and those who were being led to gas chambers, those who were being murdered senselessly, he saw in them that the last inner freedom cannot be lost. The way in which a man accepts his fate and all the suffering it entails, the way in which he takes up his cross, gives him ample opportunity. Even in circumstances like that, even in the most difficult circumstances, to add a deeper meaning to his life. After Frankel experienced the worst that man could offer, after Frankel saw the worst, the horrors, the incredible injustices that took place, he was still resolute. He was even more resolute in his understanding that man is not a product of meaningless, but that there is meaning in this life. There is even meaning in suffering. That is incredible. That after all he went through, all that he saw, all that he experienced, all it did was confirm the belief that there was meaning, that there was more to this life than just Existing, that there was more to this life than just the biological and the psychology, psychological and the sociology and all of these different factors. There was more to it than that. I would encourage you all to read this book. I only quoted a, a few quotes from it. It's actually a short book, Man's Search for Meaning. It's well worth your time. You can even get it on Audible. That's where I got it. I listened to it. Uh, it's only a few hours long on Audible. But I encourage you to read this book and have a look at his perspective. And, and obviously, I didn't detail at all what he saw. He actually goes into some detail of what he experienced. I didn't really want to dive into that today because that's not really what this is about. But I think it's important that we remember what these people went through, but not only that, but that we appreciate the perspective that this man offers to us when we consider the subject of meaning. Ultimately, it is up to us. 
It is up to you and it is up to me to find that meaning in our lives. To answer the daily and hourly questions that life throws at us. How will you respond? Because there is meaning. There is meaning in this life. There's meaning in this world. God has infused the entire world full of meaning. Of course, there is the overall meaning of life, which is to serve and to worship God, to have a relationship with Him, to lead others, to follow after Christ. But I'm talking more about finding that meaning in your everyday life. Sometimes we can be wrapped up in the day-to-day that we can live days and even weeks without a real purpose, without a real meaning. We are responsible for the finite time that God has given us on this earth. We're not all going to live forever. I mean, we will ultimately in the by and by. But we have a set amount of time on this earth. And in Australia, I guess we have a a higher um, life expectancy. So on average, I think we're going to get about 82, 83 years if you live in this country. We have a finite time. What are we doing with it? Are we making the most of the time that God has given us? Are we making the most of the circumstances that we find ourselves in? I know not every person that listens to this podcast is going to be in ideal circumstances, but surely, surely we'll be in better circumstances than what Viktor Frankl found himself in. And yet even in those dire straits, even in those camps, Frankel was able to find meaning for his hours, for his days that he was given. I want you to think about that today. What am I doing with what God has given me? Are we growing? Are we getting better? Or are we allowing the circumstances of life, the distractions of this world, to dictate our existence? Are we allowing the day to happen to us instead of us imposing our will on the day ahead of us? My challenge to you is to look for that meaning. Look for that purpose every day, throughout your day. Find meaning in the casual interactions that you have with others. Find purpose and meaning in your work. Find purpose and meaning in your life every day. Find your why for today and orient your life accordingly. We are to live lives of purpose. We are to live lives of meaning. It's not acceptable for us to just go through life and allow life to happen to us. We are the people of God. We are the children of God. And God has called us to something higher. God has called us to something greater. So I encourage you to look for that meaning. Look for that purpose in your life. Find your why. And if you find your why, you will be able to deal with any power.
Well, thank you for joining me today on the first episode of the Hacka Podcast. I pray that it has been a blessing to you. If it has, please share it with a, a friend and encourage them to follow the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I haven't really looked into the other ones yet, so maybe we'll be there shortly. But for right now, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you again for your time today, for checking out the podcast, for spending uh, your time, your valuable time with me today. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Hacker Podcast.